0: Christ,
1: the newborn King. Angels from the realms of glory Wing your flight o'er all the earth He who sang creation's story Now proclaim Messiah's birth Come and worship, come and worship Worship Christ the newborn King Shepherds in the fields abiding Washing o'er your flocks by night God with us is now residing Yonder shines the infant light Come and worship, come and worship Worship Christ the newborn King Long in hope and fear, suddenly the Lord descending in His temple shall draw near. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the. Now revokes the sentence Mercy calls you Worship, worship Christ the newborn King. All creation join in praising. God the Father, Spirit, Son. Evermore your voice is raising. To the eternal three in one. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ the newborn
0: 35 135, it says this, For I know that Yahweh, the Lord, is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from its storehouses. We worship a mighty powerful sovereign God and that same God described there was born in a manger 2,000 years ago took on flesh to save us so that in his mercy he could call us to salvation from our sins that is the great God that we worship this morning together and we are so glad that you're here to do that with us this morning as you continue to worship with us would you please pull out your worship folder In there, you'll find all sorts of information about things that are going on in the church. And you also find this little checking card. If you could take a quick moment to fill that out, that would be a big blessing to us to let us know that you're here. Um, You can also fill it out um, on your phone if you want to download our church app for free. That's another quick way to do it. There's a place on the card and in the app for you to give us any prayer requests that you'd like to share or praises. We'd love to come alongside and pray with you and for you and to praise God with you. So if you feel comfortable, we'd we'd invite you to share those with us. And at the end of the service, you can drop these checking cards at the white tables at either entrance. And we'd like to extend a special welcome to any of you who are visiting with us. Whether it's your first time or you've been coming for a few weeks or months, we're really glad that you're here. At the end of the service, if you haven't already, you might want to stop by our welcome desk, which is just outside these double doors, and there you'll meet some folks who would love to meet you and give you more info about the church and also give you a gift if you haven't got one already, just to show our appreciation and love for you. Um, Just a couple of things to note, next week is Christmas, by the way, I don't know if you knew that or not, it's kind of coming around the corner. And we have a Christmas Eve service on Saturday, December 24th at 4 p.m. here in the Family Center that we'd uh, love for you all to be here for. And then we also have a combined church service on Christmas Day. And so we don't have the, the uh, 8 a.m. service, we don't have the 10.45 service, just a 10 a.m. service, just one service. So if you're used to the early service, don't come early unless you just want to hang out and fellowship and drink coffee. And if you're used to the 10.45 service, don't come at 10.45. And you'll miss part of it. So, 10 a.m. next week, Sunday morning, one combined service. This is going to be a real sweet time. Um, I really like having just one service where we all get to be together. So, that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be really sweet. So, we encourage you all to come to that if you're still in town. So, we'd love, it. and bring your family if your family's here as well. But before we continue singing, would you please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Father, we are so thankful. So thrilled to be here this morning to sing praises to you because your mercy has called us to break our chains, to come and worship you. Your mercy has called us, your grace has called us, your glory calls us to come and praise you, to give you the honor that you are due, to give thanks to you. And so this morning, I pray that you would help us to just reflect in awe, in fear of who you are, and to sing praises to you because of what you have done for us in delivering us from the penalty and the power of sin. And I pray that this whole morning would be honoring to you as we seek to give you glory. Amen. Would you please stand with us as we continue singing about the joy we have in Christ.
1: let earth receive her king let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing And and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing To the earth the Savior reigns Let them their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy Repeat, repeat the sounding joy as sins and sorrows grow nor thorns invest the ground he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found far as the curse is found far as far as the curse is found all my plea I have no defense my guilt runs too deep the best of my works pierced your hands and your feet Jesus your mercy is all my plea Your mercy is all my boast. The goodness I claim, the grounds of my hope. Whatever I lack is still what I need most. Jesus, your mercy is all my boast. Praise the King who bore my sin my place when i stood condemned oh how good you've always been to me i will sing of your mercy Way down, and enemies bless. A comfort I cling to in life and in death. Jesus, your mercy is all my rest. Praise the King who bore my sin, took my place when I stood condemned. You've always been to me, I will sing of your mercy. Jesus, your mercy is all my joy. Forever I'll lift my heart and my voice To sing of a treasure no power can destroy Jesus, your mercy is all my joy
2: Heavenly Father, we turn to you to thank you for who you are. You are the creator of this entire universe. We recognize our finite minds cannot comprehend so very much about you. And yet you love us and you gave yourself for us. Thank you, Jesus, for being our savior, being the savior of the world. Thank you for giving yourself a ransom for our sins please help us show our appreciation by living for you. And Father, we wanna pray for our partner church, Grace Church in Morton. We ask that you would preserve the spirit of unity that the church and leaders share. We also ask that they would have the humble mind of Christ as they serve and minister together. We just pray for uh, Pastor Jonathan, that you would lead him as he leads their church and devotes a portion of his time to leadership within their denomination. Dear God, we also ask that you would provide a new student pastor for them, one who has the heart of Christ. And Heavenly Father, we also want to remember our global outreach partners, Dustin and Becca King. We just thank you that they were able to be with us here for a time, and now we're back to Ecuador. We want to thank you and praise you for the funds provided for a vehicle. And we pray that a suitable one becomes available. We also ask that you feel the need for housing in Quinara. We also pray for Dustin and Beck as they say goodbye to Pastor Lucito. And please be with him, his family and their church as they prepare for his passing. Father, as we prayed for Grace Church, we also pray for Newcastle, that you would preserve the spirit of unity that our church and leaders share. We ask that we would have the humble mind of Christ as well, as we serve and minister together. Please lead us to shepherd your people well. Father, there are many both in our congregation, as well as relatives and acquaintances who are suffering from serious illnesses. We pray that your hand would be on those who are suffering, that you could alleviate their pain is our prayer. And now as we turn our attention to the preaching of your word, please be with us. Help us to open our hearts to be changed for you. And please be with Pastor Kevin as he teaches us. Again, we just thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Would you please stand as we sing one another song?
1: Oh little town of Bethlehem, How still we see Thee light Above Thy deep and dreamless silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above, while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. Oh, morning stars together, proclaim the holy birth, and praises sing to God the God and peace to men on earth how silently how silently the wondrous gift is given so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His hand no ear may he In this world of sin Where meek souls will receive Him Still the dear Christ enters in O holy child of Bethlehem Descend to us we pray Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel.
3: can bring real hope and real peace, lasting peace to sinners who are enslaved to sin. So let's continue our worship now by taking your copy of God's word and opening it to Ephesians chapter 6. Today verses 10 to 13 introduce us to Paul's teaching on spiritual warfare. Right before he concludes his letter. So if you need a Bible this morning, just raise your hand. Nice and tall. We have copies of God's Word we'd love to give you as our gift. Uh, so please just take advantage of that. I want to say I'm very thankful for all of your prayers. Uh, as last week, I was home sick. Uh, and I'm very, very thankful for Pastor Scott filling in the pulpit here last minute for me last week. He did such a fantastic job and uh, a great message was, was short notice. And then uh, the week before last, I had the privilege of preaching at Bethany Community Church in Washington. And I just wanted to bring greetings to all of you from our brothers and sisters over at Bethany Community Church in Washington. I had a great time worshiping the Lord together with them. It is a joy to worship with another partner church in Central Illinois. I never want to take it for granted that we have such beautiful friendship and partnership with so many different churches here in Central Illinois proclaiming the gospel of Jesus with us. And so just wanted to share their greetings to you and, uh, and let you know what a joy that was for me to be with them a couple weeks ago. Now today we return to our study of Ephesians where chapter 6 teaches us how to stand against evil. Ever since we got in the last half of this letter, we've been focusing on walking, haven't we? Walking in a manner worthy of the calling, walking in love, walking in wisdom, walking in unity, walking in the light, walking in holiness, (laughs) walk, walk, walk. But now our gospel posture towards evil is to stand firm against Satan and his demonic attacks. So if you're able... I'd invite you to please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm reading from the ESV translation of Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 10 and read all the way down through verse 20 for context. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God Making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to this text, we need your help. So I pray, Father, that you'd please, please help us. That your spirit would give us ears to hear and eyes to see the beauty of Christ. That you would cause us to turn our attention and our affection away from the things of this world. Oh, Father God, we need your protective power against the evil attacks of our enemy. So I pray, Father, that you'd use this message today to awaken your church. May this be a battle cry that your spirit uses to re-engage us all in the fight of faith by the power of Jesus. Please, Father, deliver us from the evil one. Together, all of your church would pray. Amen. Well, I'd like to set up our study of Ephesians 6 this morning with a visual object lesson. And Pastor Josh is going to come and be my assistant this morning. And uh, I want to warn you children, if there's any children in the room, what you are about to see, please do not ever do at home without a parent with you, okay? This is, uh, this is only for professionals, so uh, what we can see here uh, besides us is, is this little person right here. This little person represents someone who's trying to be very religious, trying to serve Jesus on their own strength. We're going to name this person Sceva from Acts chapter 19. From the outside, Sceva is a very good person. He, he goes to church regularly. He gives lots of money to his church. He prays daily. He's well-liked by everyone. But the blowtorch, the blowtorch here represents Satan's fiery attacks, just like described in verse 16 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. So here's the problem with Skeva. When Satan attacks Skiva is only <laughs> depending on his own strength. Skiva has no power beyond his own to stand against Satan's fiery darts. So when evil comes against Skiva, all of his religion can do nothing to help him protect against Satan's fiery attack, and it's not long at all before Skiva falls into sin, into unbelief or even into apostasy. Sceva and all of his self-reliant friends have no power, no power to stand against Satan's attacks. See, the only hope that true Christians have against Satan's attack and all of his evil forces is the armor of God, a divinely supplied shield. It's described as God's armor in Isaiah, and also in Ephesians chapter six, but it just represents the power of Jesus himself. All Christians need the protective power of God. If we're ever gonna stand against Satan's attacks, and that's what you see being illustrated right now, the metal shield around this Christian here represents the strength of God's might, the power of Christ himself who surrounds the Christian so that Satan cannot harm him. For the sake of visibility, we've cut away the fronts so that you can see that this little person is still standing firm even in Satan's attack. But truly, in the real armor of God, there's no openings. God's child is fully hidden in Christ. And no evil power can ever get to God's child without going through God first. So Christian, no matter how long, no matter how hot the battle, the Christian who is hidden in Christ is able to keep standing firm. He will not succumb to the devil's enslaving lies. He will not succumb to the devil's enslaving lust. He will endure faithfully to the end, even at the cost of his own life, for he is hidden in Christ and he's protected by God's own spiritual armor. Thank you, Josh, for your help with this illustration. But I pray that this illustration makes the point very clear for us today We can only stand against evil by God's strength. That's the main point of Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. And that's the main point I want us to remember from our fiery object lesson today. We can only stand against evil by God's strength. Church, some of us need a spiritual wake-up call this morning. Ephesians is describing a very real power encounter that happens between every true Christ follower and demonic forces. Now, we don't need to get freaked out about Satan this morning, but we ought not to forget Satan either. We have a real spiritual enemy who is organized against all who love God. And Satan is stronger than any of us. But Jesus is stronger than Satan. So Jesus is our hope, and Jesus is enough By God's strength, even the smallest child or the weakest Christian is able to stand firm because of the power of God's own might. So today we begin our study of the whole armor of God by focusing in on verses 10 to 13, where we're going to learn two important lessons first that we're not strong enough to resist evil on our own and second that we are all wrestling demonic powers whether you knew it or not you are wrestling with demonic powers first let's consider we are not strong enough we're not strong enough to resist evil on our own verse 10 says this finally be strong in the lord Finally, just means in conclusion uh, and transitions Paul's teaching from interpersonal relationships to spiritual relationships. Remember, the last several paragraphs were all about how submission to God's Spirit transforms our horizontal relationships with others in the home and at work. Now, finally... Paul transitions to teach how our position in Christ changes our vertical relationship with evil powers as well. In many ways, verse 10 is a battle cry. It's a battle cry for all Christians, for we must remember that Christianity is a war, not a pleasure cruise. Often scripture describes the salvation of sinners in the language of conquest, in the language of war. For example, Colossians chapter 2 says that at the cross, Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. In Ephesians chapter 1, Jesus puts all powers under his feet. In Ephesians chapter 2, Jesus kills the hostility to bring peace. In chapter 3 of Ephesians, Jesus prays all of his redeemed past the whole demonic army of rulers and authorities in heaven to showcase the manifold wisdom of God. And in chapter 4, Jesus leads hosts captive So make no mistake, church, Christianity is an entrance into warfare. It's not an exit from warfare. So do you have the wrong view of Christianity? Do you actually think that true Christians, the the, the best Christians, the most mature Christians ought to be healthy, wealthy, and popular? That the most mature Christians should be able to now coast through life without any expectation of conflict or any expectation of casualty. Is that what you think about a Christianity? Oh, Oh, true. Jesus did purchase and secure for us an eternal rest through his death on the cross. But as long as we live on this earth, we have a satanic adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We must not be surprised at the fiery attacks of evil that come against Christians in their daily lives. May we never waltz into the front lines of spiritual warfare with the proverbial beach towel and pool floaties of a pleasure cruise. Christianity is war. Ephesians 6.10 is a battle cry. Wake up, church. We are not strong enough to defeat Satan on our own. Self-reliance Self-reliance or self-trust, it is spiritual suicide. Anyone who takes a vacation mentality into a daily war of Christian living will quickly become a casualty, just like Sceva's seven sons in Acts chapter 19. So verse 10 here is clearly calling us be strong in the Lord. The battle for your soul, the battle for the glory of God requires more power than you can personally bring to the battle. Now remember, who's the first audience of of Ephesians? Well, the people who lived in Ephesus. Ephesus was a world-renowned epicenter of magic, of the occult, of false worship, of false gods. Most of these Christians in the Ephesian church would have had personal experience with demonic powers and all of their sexual perversion. None of these original. Readers would have doubted the presence of real, invisible, spiritual forces of evil for the entire city of Ephesus was given over to a fearful fascination with the supernatural power of demons. But today, in America, in central Illinois, our own humanism and materialism Combine with our wealth and our education to try to explain away anything that is supernatural. Oh, church, do not be fooled. Biblical Christianity is not a matter of education. Biblical Christianity is not a matter of religious ritual. Biblical Christianity is a matter of power. Divine power. Supernatural power power. This is why the entire letter of Ephesians focuses so much on power and the power of Jesus. So you must never think, well, I've been a Christian long enough. You know, I've kind of got this Christianity thing figured out. I think I'll just coast. I know enough Bible doctrine. I know enough Bible theology now. I think I'm good. I've figured out how to pray. I think I'm strong enough. I've figured this Christianity thing out. Self-reliance is spiritual suicide. No matter how long you've been a Christian, never, you will never outgrow your need for humble dependence upon Jesus. After all, victory comes from living by another's strength, not your own. Isn't verse 10 fascinating when you really think about it? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. If I came to you and I said, okay, I want you to live the rest of the week in your mom's strength. How would you do that? Be strong in your mom and in the strength of Her might. Uh, How would you do that? How can you live by someone else's strength? This is supernatural, isn't it? This only makes sense when you remember that throughout Ephesians, Paul has been trying to convince us of our glorious position in Christ. Yes, by God's own grace, we are now one with Jesus. It is our faith union with Jesus that then allows us to live by Jesus' power. For obviously, you can't live by another's strength if you aren't connected to that strength. But once you truly become one with another, everything that is theirs is now yours. So church, we must know the immeasurable power of God that is within believers. That is why Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, that every Christian would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. According to the working of his great might... That God worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Oh, church, do not be afraid. We can stand against evil powers by the very resurrection power of Jesus. The same power that seated Jesus in the heavens far above all demonic rulers and authorities is the same power that helps us stand firm against evil today. Again, Paul prayed the same thing in Ephesians chapter 3. That God would grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. We're definitely not strong enough ourselves to resist evil on our own. But God's spirit unites us with the immeasurable power of God. So that, Christian, you can be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his resurrection might. Church, we are so weak on our own. And there's only one way that we can be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And verse 11 makes that clear. Only God's armor can defend us from satanic attack put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13 continues, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now our next sermon in this series will focus more on the various descriptions of God's armor. But for right now, I just want you to focus on the fact that this is God's own armor. It's God's strength that protects us from evil. Paul emphasizes the whole armor. So don't get focused, so focused on one individual piece of the armor that you miss the, the main point. The armor of God is simply a reference to the power of God over evil. What is the armor of God? It's God's power over evil. Most likely, Paul's writing Ephesians 6 while he's chained to a a Roman guard dressed in full military uniform. And most likely, Paul is also thinking about Isaiah chapter 59, which describes the Lord, the Lord, putting on righteousness as a blessed plate and a helmet of salvation on his head as the Lord goes out to judge the wicked. So for now, just understand, it is the armor that God himself wears that protects Christians from evil. And what's the command in verse 11? Put it on. Verse 13 commands us, take it up. Once and for all, Christians are commanded to urgently put on God's strong protection against evil and always keep it on. It's the same command that we saw earlier back in chapter 4, verse 24, to put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true holiness and righteousness. So don't miss this. Putting on the armor of God means the same thing as putting on the Lord Jesus. Embrace your identity in Christ. Abide in Christ. Because only when we are hidden in Christ will we ever stand firm against evil. So let's now ask the the all-important question. I mean, Loved one, are you truly trusting in Christ? Has your soul been united with Jesus by faith for the praise of God's glory and for the eternal protection of your own soul? Have you trusted in Christ for your salvation? It doesn't matter how religious you've become. You will never be able to stand strong against evil on your own. You need a strong savior. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus possesses all power to rule and reign forever over all other powers. So, will you turn from your sins? Will you believe in the all-powerful power of Jesus? To save you from hell. We can only stand against evil by God's power, by God's strength. First, because we're not strong enough to resist evil on our own. And second, because we are wrestling against demonic powers. Look at the end of verse 11 and all of verse 12. They describe our enemy. God wants us to know who our enemy really is while chapter 2 describes the Christians' three main rivals as the flesh, the world, and Satan, here Paul now focuses just on the supernatural powers, the demonic powers that were creating so much fear in this first century church in Ephesus. So listen carefully, church because I don't want us to start to think that our enemy is the world that we can see rather than what the scripture teaches, our enemy is truly in the world that we cannot see. Notice how the end of verse 11 describes evil as the schemes of the devil. In other words, we must beware of Satan's devious strategies. During a war, you must not be outwitted by being ignorant of your enemy's tactics. So Christian, I ask us, are we able to recognize the devil's attacks when we encounter them? According to scripture, Satan is the father of lies. He's, he's, a, he's a God of or a, a power. He's not a God. He's, a, he's an angelic being of deceit. And he accuses God's people continually before God. Satan is a tempter who often disguises himself as an angel of light so that he can destroy people. Satan blinds and enslaves people with the lies of unbelief. And he causes people to doubt the goodness of God. So I want to, Expose just five common strategies of demonic attack. And for the sake of helping us remember, they all start with the letter D. Deception, division, discouragement, doubt, distraction. These are just a few of many different demonic strategies that we ought to be watching for. So let me ask some questions here, church. Have, have you noticed recently in your own life that you are now more isolated than ever? You're no longer reading the Bible as much as you used to. You're no longer listening as much to Bible, good Bible teaching like you used to. Do you notice that you're bending the truth or destroy, distorting reality for the sake of your reputation? Have you convinced yourself that disobedience to God is really not that big of a deal? Oh, beware. Beware of Satan's deception. Are you being tempted to take sides in fights among God's children? Are you allowing anger or bitterness to give Satan a foothold in your soul? Satan loves to divide God's church through the friendly fire of gossip and slander and unforgiveness. Or what about discouragement? Are you allowing discouragement to paralyze your ministry, to weaken your witness after you fail? And we all do. Are you more focused on God's forgiveness or on Satan's condemnation of you? Look up, loved ones. Look up. Remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Remember, Satan is always trying to get us to doubt, to doubt the goodness of God or the sovereignty of God's power. And of course, another one of Satan's strategies is just distraction. Gifted, godly ambassadors often fail in their God-given mission simply because of the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Satan loves the respectable cloak of enlightenment, which he uses to often distract God's servants into living for more of this world Rather than the world that is to come, there are so many other demonic strategies we could identify if we had time. But, church, are you aware? Are you alert to Satan's cunning schemes? Next, in verse twelve, we learned that Satan has many servants. And now, when Paul says we do not wrestle against flesh and uh, against blood and flesh, he, he's not saying that humans will never oppose us. For in fact, in chapter 4, verse 14, Paul refers to the human cunning that can so often oppose Christians at times. So instead, Paul's point in verse 12 is that behind every battle is demonic power. Our real enemy is rarely visible to us. Satan is a supernatural foe who leads an organized mafia of demons who are working together to try to destroy us. And verse 12 describes this demonic army as rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over present darkness, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, by the way, when it says in the heavenly places, the heavenly places here just refers to the spirit world. It's not referring to the place of righteous joy at the side of our Father forever that we call heaven. It's referring to just the place of the spirit beings, the heavenly places. And I'm not... I'm not uh, smart enough to understand all the various nuances or hierarchies within each of these four descriptions, but this one thing I am sure of all four descriptions of Satan's mafia are expressions of organized power power over darkness, spiritual forces of evil. Therefore, since Satan is the ruler of many demons and our entire world system lies in the power of the evil one, every person who is in Christ must prepare for intense personal battle. The word in verse 12 is the word wrestle, which implies close hand-to-hand combat. So no Christian who lives in this world for any length of time will be exempt from demonic temptation and demonic attack. Six different times in verses 11 and 12, Paul uses the same word, against. Six times, against. To clearly communicate that every Christian is engaged in this spiritual battle with cosmic powers. We are under attack. We are at war, church. Need to wake up, be aware. But in all of our spiritual preparedness, let's not give Satan more credit than he deserves. For although Satan is a superior spiritual being to us humans, Satan is far inferior to God himself. In fact, I, I understand why we often kind of pit God with, against Satan. But we, we must never, ever think, church, that Satan is God's equal counterpart. No one is equal to God. If you say, well, who is Satan's equal? Perhaps it might be Michael the archangel. But Jesus is God. Jesus is far more powerful than Satan or any demon. According to Colossians 1.16, Jesus created Satan and all the demonic beings. According to Ephesians 1.21-22, all the spirit world now lies under the feet of Jesus. So Satan is not equal to God in any way. Satan is not omnipresent. Satan is not omniscient. Satan is not all-powerful. And just as Job's account in the Old Testament shows us, Satan can only do what God himself allows. Satan was disarmed at the cross. And Revelation describes a future day when Satan and all of his demons will be eternally banished into hell's judgment forever away from the redeemed. So make no mistake, Christians, Satan has already been defeated at the cross. The war's already been won. But now in these few short years before Satan receives his final judgment, Satan is attacking believers with all the firepower that he and his demonic host can muster. So Paul urges us in verse 13, you defeat your defeated enemy by standing firm in Christ. Take up, therefore, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So we need God's power if we are ever to hope to stand firm against demonic attack and evil temptations. Now Ephesians 5 verse 16 describes this present day in which we are living now as the evil days. But scripture warns us there's there's in the last days, right before the, the day of the Lord, there's going to be a, a rush of satanic activity as Satan's last hurrah before his final judgment. So so, church, be encouraged this morning, please. Oh, we we are not strong enough to resist evil on our own, and and we are indeed wrestling against demonic powers. But be encouraged because Jesus is stronger and the immeasurable greatness of Jesus' power is enough to keep us standing. We can only stand against evil by God's strength. And when it's all said and done, and this life is over, every person who has taken up the whole armor of God, every person who has put on the Lord Jesus Christ, every person who has trusted in the power of God for the salvation of their soul will be found standing firm. Oh, Christian, that's why today we need to pray. We need to pray for greater dependence upon God while we live out our position in Christ. We're going to talk much more about prayer when we get down to verse 18, but this is, I believe, the practical way that Christian soldiers put on the armor of God. We pray for God's help. We express our humble dependence of faith in Christ through prayer to Christ and we pray that God himself will fight our battles because we know that the battle belongs to the Lord we refuse to trust ourselves and we rely wholly on the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ on our behalf which secures for us a blessed position of eternal favor by the power of God himself. Oh, church, we can only stand against evil by God's strength. So then, now that we have been clothed with the power of God himself, church, we ought not to cower away from the battle in fear. God didn't suit us up with his own armor so that we would run away from the fight and keep our armor shiny in some cowardly corner. No, God gave us his protective power so that we might stand against the devil so that we might, don't miss this, continue to proclaim the good news of salvation through Christ alone to all that are around us just as verse 19 makes clear. God has clothed us with his own armor so that we would continue to proclaim the good news of salvation to lost sinners and stand firm against all the opposition that comes from Satan when we proclaim such good news. God's enemy is defeated. So pray for greater faith in the promises and power of God while you live out your blessed position in Christ and stand firm against evil. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you and praise you for your grace and your power. We thank you for the immeasurable power of Jesus. Resurrection power, reigning power, right hand ascension power, reconciling power. You're a God of all power and glory. There is no God who's full of majesty like you. You alone have all power to do all things according to the counsel of your own will. So help us to stay and to stand firm in you. And together God's people would say, Amen.
0: single day, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you're involved in it or not. And there's only two things that could be happening, either living in dependence upon the armor of God in the battle, defending, fighting, or being slaughtered. Those are the only two options. So we can't be apathetic and expect to have nothing happen to us. We have to be active and engaged. And God has given us the resources for that. And one of those resources is also us as a church to call each other to arms weekly, daily. We need each other to do that. This is not a fight just on your own private spiritual battlefield, but we help each other. So let's stand in response to the word and sing and call each other to arms.
1: and put your armor on, hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. an army bold. Battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war—to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor—and with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and. And mercy meet as the Son of God is stricken. his see His foes I like crushed beneath His feet, for the conqueror has.
3: you but i'm longing for the day when with christ we stand firm in glory all glory to christ it is by christ's grace and power alone that we will all get there but lord bring us home gently come quickly oh we're yearning for the day when we can be with the lord forever well today we have a very very special privilege during our 9:30 hour we have our children's christmas program right here in this room in just a few minutes at 9 30 prepare him room performed by our children and all of their teachers so please plan to join us here at 9 30 for that special special hour of worship together today let's pray our benediction as we go from ephesians 3 verses 20 and 21 let's pray this together noticing the power of God that Paul is praying for. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all those who are standing firm And the power of God would say, you are dismissed.